Today we consider the last in our four-part series called Saving Encounters. We've been going through the Gospel of John and we've been looking at ways that Jesus unfolds what his calling is, the path that he must go on our behalf out of his love for us so that we will actually be with him forever. This is John's theme in the third chapter in the 16th verse. And so as John goes forward in his gospel, he shows us bit by bit what that actually means. And so he looked at how Jesus met with Nicodemus, that, that this idea of, of salvation and being saved doesn't come just from obeying the law, but you actually have to be born again. It comes from taking Christ on board as the living water. This is how Jesus described himself to the woman at the well. It means seeing, allowing Jesus to reveal what is actually true, to restore our sight, because we've been blinded by the things of this world, by the affections of it, by the things that so easily entice us, by our own uh, different constructs of who God is or what he's about. This is what we saw last week in, as we looked at how Jesus healed the man born blind. And now today we look at perhaps the greatest revelation of what it means that Jesus saves us. And that is his raising from the dead, his very good friend, Lazarus. We're in John chapter 11. And from the text, you know that Lazarus and Mary and Martha were very good friends of Jesus. But probably next to his disciples and Jesus' own mother, they were his closest friends, at least from what we can tell in Scripture. But Jesus is away, and the, and the sisters send word to him, and they say, the one you love is sick. But then our text tells us that Jesus actually delays two days because he knows that this illness will actually lead to Lazarus' death. But he knows that he delays because he sees that his heavenly Father is very much at work in this. He says this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory that God's Son may be glorified through that. And so Jesus is declaring that to his disciples. But eventually, after that two-day delay, Jesus and his disciples go to Bethany, where Martha and Mary are. Jesus knows that Lazarus has already died. And basically, Jesus and his disciples are now going to a funeral. And they're coming into a, a typical experience of death, one marked by mourning and by grief and by sadness and by an indescribable sense of loss. Mary, Martha greets him even before he gets to the town, and she says, if, you're, if, if you'd been here, Lord, my brother would not have died. Just that, that expression of not only truth but of grief. Some of us, I think all of us know that firsthand. We've lost people that we love dearly. Even in our community, in the last few months, people have lost a parent or a grandparent. Maybe you've lost a close friend. And the closer we are to them, the deeper we feel about that loss. Sometimes it's exacerbated by how sudden it is. They were healthy one day or they were getting sick and then now they're gone. This is perhaps what Martha and Mary were feeling. They sent word to Jesus and they said, the one you love is sick. The implication is, Lord, you can do something about that now. Would you come? Would you say? Would you bring your healing? Because we know that you can heal. But Jesus delayed. 
And now Jesus comes when seemingly there's nothing else to be done. There was an opportunity, but that is now past, and Lazarus has died. And so Martha is crying out to the Lord or her statement, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. That's, that's what we would normally feel. But look how Jesus responds. He says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Now, Martha doesn't have much opportunity other than to say, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. And she's already said with that good theology, I believe that, that, uh, that my brother will rise on the last day. But that doesn't help her where she is right now in the midst of this grief. But this is part of what Jesus is saying about who he is and what his mission is, that he is the resurrection and the life. There's no other name under heaven by which we can be saved, the scripture tells us, but that of Jesus. And to be saved means to be, take what is dead, our bodies, our minds, our souls, our strength, everything that was us, and to raise that to life and to a new life. I am the resurrection and the life. The Old Testament reading today was from Ezekiel 37, that great passage about the dry bones that are just in a desert. And it is God who brings, puts flesh and sinew and muscle around it. He can bring life out of a pile of dead bones. He can bring life to our bodies, which will all die unless Jesus comes before that. So Jesus is the resurrection and the life. To understand his saving encounter, this is the ultimate aspect of that. But Jesus, though he knows what God intends for Lazarus's illness, that will bring his heavenly father glory and glory to him as well, reveal him to be the son of God, it doesn't mean that he's unmoved by what hurts and, and, and grieves us. He, he, the text also tells us that when he comes to the grave, that he weeps. Jesus wept. You can see that progression. He's talking to Martha, and they're having this this discussion uh, that's somewhat theological in nature. But when Mary comes out, and she says the same thing to that Martha said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. And she then uh, falls at his feet and begins to weep. Jesus deeply moved. It says, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? Come and see, they said. And the verse tell, next verse tells us that Jesus wept. What is causing grief and sorrow and sickness and anger and frustration and bewilderment and resistance in our life today? God knows and Jesus knows and Jesus feels all of those things. It's part of why our Savior as both not only fully divine, but also fully human, really understands what we are going through. He went through that himself. He is weeping along with Mary, weeping along with Martha, even though he knows that he will shortly, in a moment, raise Lazarus from the dead. So let us not think that the Lord, if we're in the midst of some delay of his 
help, the lay of his resurrecting power in our life, in our situation, think that somehow he doesn't care, that he's, he remains unmoved. If we are faithful, we will see how God resolves that, just like he's doing in this, in this situation with Martha and Mary, how he resolves it to glorify his father and to bring himself glory. And so we see as as he goes on, he he says, roll away the stone. Martha's not quite sure, uh, as she's ever practical, and she's not quite sure what what Jesus has meant when he says, I'm the resurrection of life. So she gives him some technical information that Lazarus has been there for four days and and it will start, the body will already have a smell to it. You know, decay has set in is what she's saying, as if Jesus didn't know that. So they're not literally on the same page. But Jesus says, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus comes out. He's got his grave clothes on and the shroud over him. And Jesus says, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Jesus is the one who raises us from the dead, who will raise every one of us who know him, who love him from the dead. Jesus is the one who will do this. This happens about a week before he goes uh, to his own death on Calvary for our behalf. And Jesus is giving us a foretaste of what his death will mean. Crucified on a Friday, raised and resurrected on a Sunday. Raising Lazarus anticipates that. And that should be an encouragement and a comfort to us. We should look to see where the Lord is providing his saving grace in in our lives right now, today, even before uh, our time comes to be with him. Our time comes to go to the grave because the grave will not keep us down. But that's really an Easter message, so I won't go there. One thing I do before we end our time, I want to I want us to not overlook a key feature of of what's happening here in in our text. You know, we can rejoice, and I'm sure Martha and Mary rejoice to see Lazarus raised from the dead and to see God's glory on full display when that happened. But I don't want us to overlook the fact that the Lord Jesus allowed his very good friend, the one he loved, Lazarus, to die. And he allowed his sisters, whom he also loved, Mary and Martha, to experience amazing grief and sadness. How difficult that must have been. But he didn't spare them from that experience. He allowed them to feel that. And you might think, well, what kind of a Lord does that? He's allowing people who really cares about to go through this really awful, hard and difficult experience. And even though he shared it with them, we might crowd as some in the crowd did. Lord, he's the one who, you know, can't the guy who healed the man uh, born blind also could have prevented this illness? We say with those people sometimes, Lord, you've raised people from the dead. Can't you just intervene in my situation now? Why do I have to go through all the things that I'm experiencing? Lord, why aren't you coming sooner into my situation? Why have you allowed things to happen that I don't see can be changed in this lifetime? Why, Lord? The Lord may not tell us 
answer the question about why, but he does point us to the meaning and the redemptive feature of that, that you would see, as he said to his disciples, the full glory of God, that you would see God's work on on display, that you would see the Son of God glorified in this. In other words, what the glory of God means to, to reveal more fully who God truly is, to see his power, his saving power on display. If Jesus had just come and or just commanded Lazarus to be healed from his illness, where would that glory be? He would have saved Martha and Mary all the anguish, but he would not have communicated to us just the fullness of what his resurrection power is and what he's come to do. Now, this would be the realm of theological speculation. But if someone asked Martha and Mary after Lazarus was raised from the dead about their experience of God, what do you think they would say? Do you think they would regret or hold against God the fact that he allowed them to experience this before he raised their brother from the dead? I don't think so. I think they would be overjoyed that God had allowed them to participate in that, to allow them to love them enough that they would be instrumental in understanding and revealing to us now who Jesus is and how much he loves us. And I think the same is true for us, that when we are able to be with the Lord in heaven, when death is no more, when it has lost its sting for all of, those, all of us who know and love Jesus, we'll be able to look back on the hardships and the challenges, and the mysteries, and the difficulties, and all the things that we just don't have an answer to, and to see how God, if we are faithful to him and trusting in him, how he used that for his glory, how he used that to reach other people, how he used that to convey his love. We don't know the half of how much God is using his work in our lives to glorify himself and bless other people. So I would pray during this time of Lent where we are creating more time and space to be honest before the Lord, to ask him to examine our hearts, that we would ask him for that. Lord, where am I too wrapped up in my own hurt and my own pain? Legitimate hurt and legitimate pain. I'm not saying that it's not, but where am I wrapped up in my own hurt, my own pain, my own sense of a very uncertain or precarious future so that I'm not allowing room for your glory to be revealed? And Lord, would you help me to know how I can stay in that space? before your resurrection power. I need your sustaining grace in the meantime before I see you working all things for your glory and for our good. Amen.